You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 139. For this edition of the program, special co-host Zach Romano joined me for a wonderful interview with Wesley Bunch of Suburban Living. The Philadelphia Dream Pop Outfit just released their excellent third album, How to Be Human on Egg Hunt Records. But the path to get there was quite challenging. Bunch endured a house fire on New Year's Eve in 2018, and of course, COVID-19 forced the band to cancel an extensive tour leading up to the release of the album, which was ultimately pushed to August. But the band has displayed impressive resilience to overcome these obstacles. And How to Be Human was certainly worth the wait. It's a lush, dreamy, and gorgeous record that's jam-packed with towering synths, celestial-sounding guitars, and of course, a rousing sax solo on Indigo Kids. During our interview, we touched on a wide range of topics, including the different approach that the band took in recording How to Be Human, some of the challenges that the band faced leading up to the release of the album, and Wesley had some really cool buzzcocks and swirlies related stories that you're definitely gonna wanna hear. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records. They're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can read a awesome review of Suburban Living's new album, How to Be Human, written by Zach Romano. You could also check out playlists, premieres of new songs, and a whole lot more. That's all available for you at lookatmyrecords.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Zach, thanks for joining me. Wesley, so where are you speaking to us from right now? Are you in Philadelphia? Uh, That's where I usually reside, my normal humble abode, but I'm out. uh, I've been kind of displaced per se due to coronavirus i've i've spent the last like six months between where i am now which is a a little mountain town called front royal virginia uh in the shenandoah valley and yeah and in philadelphia so ever since the virus hit i've been kind of going back and forth between here and philly depending on like you know how safe it was obviously at the height of the virus i was here uh just chilling in the mountains writing on writing music and hanging out initially kind of turned into like hey maybe we'll be here for a month to as the virus got worse and worse and worse it was like all right it's been three months it's been four months well, we could go back, but it's also summertime and we're in the Shenandoah Valley and there's, you know, the river and, you know, we can go floating and enjoy our summers and socially distant from our friends. And um, so that's kind of been life for the past six months a little bit. Cool. We love the new record, How to Be Human. Congrats on the release of it. It's out on Egg Hunt Records. Right now, you're in the Shenandoah Valley, like you said, have you been spending a lot of time writing music, working on the next release since you've had, you know, a, a canceled tour? You haven't been on tour this summer and things like that, like maybe you normally would. Have you been spending your time? Yeah, yeah. It's been, you know, obviously I've been really lucky to have like this place here and it's um, 
I call it the getaway house now. You know, if I ever come into, into trouble, this place will always be here. <laughs> At least as so long as I'm dating Morgan. But yeah, it, it, it's felt like a getaway. You know, I've saved a lot of money. I was able to invest a lot of stuff on some home recording because when this first went down, I was like, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to step foot in another recording studio for the next year or two. So, you know, let me tinker away at some new songs. And I'd already on How to Be Human, like all the synthesizers, just about every synthesizer track is done at my house and then taken to cool. a studio, um, which is a lot of synthesizers on there. So I, I did those all at my house. Uh, so then going into like, you know, writing new music here, I approached it not like, hey, let me just demo out some ideas and then, cause then I'm gonna take it to the band. We're gonna, you know, get in a room together and work it out. I kind of had to approach this with, well, let me just try and do as much as I can writing and recording with this. So then I can maybe mix it remotely and then have something to put out at the top of the year, which is kind of like on the radar now, like it may or may not happen. But even if it's a few songs that I can put out and, you know, keep keep things going, because like you said, we can't, you know, we can't really can't hop in a van and tour. And in, the record to us was always just an asset to play live shows because we identify as a really heavy live band. You know, like we think we feel that we shine really bright on stage and like in a club atmosphere. And none of that looks like it's realistic anytime soon. So, um, you know, if I can keep writing some songs and just kind of keep keep the artistic flow going once the live music returns we can get back to that but for now just spending time tinkering away on new songs yeah man i guess gotta make the best of it so so there's a there's a story behind all of these recordings right like there was a, a fire and some redos so do you want to talk about that a little bit yeah yeah it, it was crazy like so i guess it was August of 2018, I, I got this really cool opportunity to play bass in one of my favorite bands of all time called uh, Swirlies. Uh, it's 90s shoegaze band that are yeah, like, they're awesome, I mean, like yeah. I find out, I, yeah, I found out about the Swirlies when I was like 14, <laughs> you know, um, Damn. and I think they've been around longer than I've been alive. So I got this really cool opportunity to do that. And Swirlies were opening up for this band, Nothing. Amazing tour, you know, also Philadelphians, you know, they were headlining. We were direct support. Great tour, awesome. Came back, got another cool support tour, doing Hello, you know, for Suburban Living, opening up for Hello Goodbye. Did that tour, awesome. Then in December of 2018, uh, Suburban Living got to go to the UK and open up for the, uh, the band Nothing there. So it was just all awesome, right? It's like, damn, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, this has really been a really cool, past like uh, four to six months or whatever in uh, that New Year's Eve December 31st 2018 uh, my house caught on fire in Fishtown uh, there was oh, yeah uh, I was packed up Damn. loaded ready to go to a uh, New Year's Eve gig uh, that night in Philly that Suburban Living was playing and uh, there was some screaming in the house next door and come to find out that there was uh, some drug addicts next door who decided that one of them was mad at the other one and they kicked over a heater, <laughs> like a space heater, Jesus lit the place Christ. on fire. Yeah. Um, so I'm throwing all my music gear out on the pavement New Year's Eve in the rain and Morgan was there, my girlfriend, and we both ran outside and for three hours just watched the fire spread from their row home to our row home. 
in our apartment, it was like an apartment, like a row home with like, you know, different units. Ours was on the bottom. So luckily, slash whatever you want to think about it, because it's not really a lucky situation to begin with, but the fire never fully spread to our our unit. But the aftermath of the fire was, you know, the, the building was destroyed. There was no, you know, heating and air conditioning was gone. Uh, you know, you're talking dead of winter in Philly, so it's super cold. So yeah, everything after that <laughs> kind of went on hold and all the demos for, and all those recorded synth tracks that I was talking about that I did uh, at home were in a on an iMac next to a window. And uh, the fucking- Oh shit. Yeah, the fucking firefighters broke in to uh, the window <laughs> next to mine. So, you know, I'm sitting there looking at this and, and, you know, just anxiety is, you know, going throughout my body. Like, if I lose that computer, you know, not only is everything that's on that computer gone, but everything I've, I've worked on, you know, my entire life. I have external hard drives now, so <laughs> I back up everything. But, you know, a year and a half ago, I, I wasn't really that smart. So, yeah, I, I mean, what came after that was you know, a really lot of like personal, just going through the motions of after you're displaced from your house, <laughs> catching on fire. Uh, right. You know, a lot of, a lot of crazy shit. You know, there were some junkies, you know, and, and, and next door to that, that, you know, then went in and raided the, the burnt down house and stole some shit. And, you know, there was points where I was like re-entering that building with like, you know, uh, broken glass in my hand, ready to like fight off anybody <laughs> who was in there trying to steal my shit. And like, I was living out of a hotel room because they're off of like uh, renter's insurance, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, honestly, oh, that's awesome that you had that. Like, that, thank God for that. Yeah, dude. Because I was, um, if you're familiar with Philadelphia, I was at the Holiday Inn Express off of Delaware Avenue, overlooking the Ben Franklin Bridge. So it was like in the winter. So I was like in old city walking around, like going to bars and like, <laughs> uh, you know, I could, I could expense a lot of food through that said insurance company. And yeah, I don't know. It, it was kind of like rags to Richie. All right. That, that's a silver lining. That, that's something. Yeah. It was okay. Man, what a, but it was, what a new year's. Yeah. It was really, really yeah. fucked up, man. Um, crazy. Uh, I, it's a story I really love to tell because it's really surreal. Yeah, that that night I was actually seeing nothing. I was seeing them in play New that uh, New Year's Eve show that night in, in New York. Yeah, my girlfriend and I went to that. Mm -hmm. We were going to go to that gig if we didn't have our own because it was a really cool lineup. And I remember... Yeah, weekend opened. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. We played Ort Leaves and I, I still played the gig. I made it. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Props to, on that. I, uh, I remember having all my music gear out on the street, and I remember being like, well, I guess I can put this in the van now. And once, you know, the fire department's done doing their thing, I guess we're going to go play the gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Red, the Red Cross came and asked if I was homeless, if I needed anywhere to stay, and... Yeah, it was really surreal. My 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 neighbor's cat died in the fire. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Was, I mean, it was uh, it's really dark. Come to find out, you know, not to get all cons conspiracy theorists, but through a chain of text messages, I think I learned that 
uh, my landlord, who also owned the building next door, was doing some shady business with one of them, probably drug related. And the other, the, the tenant, so-called tenant, but because I think they were like uh, squatting, basically. Uh, <laughs> uh, my landlord turned off the heat in order to try and get them out of that building. But, but oh, that fuck, tenant yeah. had a pet... Uh, boa constrictor like the fucking snake wow this gets crazier and yeah. crazier man yeah um he had a pet boa constrictor and they can't survive like in the winter um in like cold environments so so the dude's boa constrictor died because it was so cold and that's what pissed him off because he like oh yeah. he texted okay. the landlord and said you killed my boa constrictor because you turned off the heat you're you're gonna get what's coming to you i'm gonna light it up new year's eve and sure enough they found out that the fire started in his unit but he made it look accidental like he accidentally kicked over a space heater and yeah i mean the philadelphia fire department's not going to give a shit about like some he said she said you know text message threat so they just they just deemed it as accidental damn dude damn you've been so there's some crazy shit the last yeah and then years. uh so we're like in january february so we decide to start making the record. We decide to start, you know, to, to break off ties with our with our label at that time. And so we kind of go into this whole thing, doing a lot of our own and, and going to recording studios that are like friends studios that we can do stuff at a lower budget. This is like January, February, March. We get a good core of that done and we land this uh, pretty cool support door doing uh, shows with this man called Circus Survive, who are pretty big. And we were like, you know, bigger yeah. rooms, it's kind of a shorter it's like a little seven day ten day thing or something like that and two or three days before we leave my drummer gets in this gnarly car accident <laughs> um Oof. yeah uh. and um i mean he was in like the hospital for a couple days and just like you know it wasn't you know he didn't die and he's he's okay now and he's back to normal but there for a while he's walking with a cane you know really you know recovering wow. and bedridden for like a month back concussion Oof. um is, is he back to drumming now yeah yeah he's back he's he's all he's all good now but you know we were supposed to leave for that tour and you know we we had a backup drummer on call and he's this he's this dude john van dyne who who drums for this band called cruiser and he's drummed in um he has another band similar name to ours which is funny called desperate living <laughs> but he's he's a really good friend of ours <laughs> he just was like yeah i can work remote for 10 days like let's do it so we did one practice and then we were on the road so i don't know i feel like you know the past you know year and a half two years and then when you couple the the, the whole coronavirus thing and we were on tour when that shit broke you know on our way to you know south by yeah. southwest you know, when that all happened, you know, back in March and with everything that's happened before it, which is making this record and really trying, you know, just to get over every single fucking hurdle, you know, half the band cheated death to get here. So it's like I when the when a global pandemic hits on my on my tour happening, you know, a couple months before our record was supposed to come out, because then our, our, our release date was back in May. Yeah, it was May, and now it it was you pushed it to August. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, whatever, man. I'm just gonna go to the fucking mountains and figure this. 
Got it. So was everything pretty much done at that point and you postponed it so you could like have a supporting tour or was this like you still needed to record more stuff that was more difficult to do if you didn't have access to studios? Um, no, it was all done, um, which was which was cool. Um, you know, when Mike's accident happened in May of last year, the record was basically done because I remember getting the news that John could do this, this, the, the tour when we were when I was like doing vocals for the record. And then when South by happened March of this year, it was already done. It was already on its way to its pressing plant. You know, I think we just pushed it back because we knew that nobody is going to care about our album right now. And they shouldn't, you right. know, absolutely should not give a shit about some mid-level indie bands record coming out or any fucking pop stars, you know, record coming out right now. Like, <laughs> You know what what we went through and what we're still going through you know is uh extremely way more important than you know my my record so we just decided hey let's you know let's push this back a little bit see what goes on with the virus and see if it's appropriate for august yeah man um that that, that makes sense I, I could totally see why you wouldn't want to push it back further though like like who who knows when a tour that resembles normal is going to be possible again like Right. And at a certain point, you just got to get it out there. Yeah, it's been cool. It's been a journey, so I'm ready. And so one thing I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned touring with Swirlies and you were actually playing bass uh, for Swirlies on a tour. Damon from Swirlies is such an incredible songwriter and you mentioned such a big influence on you personally. What was that experience like and did it influence the writing of the songs on this record at all playing with him and being around him oh yeah absolutely you know as anybody will probably tell you in any field of work like to be able to do whatever work that is side by side with like somebody you consider an idol of yours and like somebody you look up to and have listened to their records like in your bed alone like as a teenager staring at the wall it's awesome i mean you just want to pick that person's brain you know and like yeah. Damon Damon was always down to give me advice and, you know, talk to me about what he thought sounded cool and still is. I mean, the dude emails me every day still, you know, and it's like it's me and uh, a, a handful of other people that he still emails just like catching up and also just sending like a lot. He's a really goofy dude, so he'll just send a lot of like really goofy emails about band names and, you know. Uh, nice, <laughs> um, nice. so he's, you know, um, he's always there. You know, we also always don't see eye to eye, you know, on, cause I mean, you know, he, what he was doing in the nineties is way different than what things are like now, but yeah. it's, it's really cool. And with just any other, like any other work you can kind of take like, okay, well, that's how you did it in the past. And it sounded really cool that way. I should do it that way. But what if I put my own twist on it, right. you know, and he's been always you know super helpful really funny and yeah we we argue about guitar amps like <laughs> you know uh and it's it's fun to do um so that whole experience was awesome and i was really inspired about you know hearing stories of them recording some of their earliest swirlies work like on four tape you know track four track cassette recorders and, and outside of boston you know him and the bass player and Sheena used to be in the band just feeling really inspired and I think that's also what kind of inspired me to do some of the record of myself 
you know, of how to be human at my house, at least the stuff that I could, that, you know. Um, so I'm definitely grateful for that experience. And, you know, it might happen again one day. You know, I, I, I was told that I will get the call, but you never know what the swirl is. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really, really cool experience. And you mentioned that you did things a little different for this record, How to Be Human, when compared with Almost Paradise. Awesome, awesome record. I saw you guys pretty soon after that came out at Our Wicked Lady in Brooklyn. I remember you guys were awesome seeing you guys Thank play you. live. But for for that one, you, you worked with Jeff Ziegler, who's worked with Kurt Vile, The War on Drugs. And it seemed like it was pretty collaborative with your other band members, too, as far as r recording it and fleshing out song ideas. And a lot of this record you recorded at home on your own. Why did you take that approach? And how do you think it impacted the finished product? It had a lot to do, honestly, with just logistics and budget. I mean, you know, we're the kind of band that, you know, we look at a like kind of the end goal of like, okay, we want it to sound this way. We want to do it this way. What's a way that we can do that in the time frame that we want with the money that we have and still have money to, to go out and do X, Y, and Z or whatever, you know, just like any other band, it's just logistics. And we saw the opportunity to work with a few, a handful of friends that were building a studio at the time. So we thought, okay, we could go there. Actually, in Brooklyn, it was at this place called Diamond Studios. They were in the process of moving from Manhattan to Brooklyn. So we saw this opportunity to get in there uh, to help our friends, make sure everything was kind of up and running with their studio and lay down some tracks that way at a, at a really reasonable rate. So we just kind of saw like the, the six-month plan and all of that had this certain approach that we did. So it, it was different than working you know, with Jeff and and working in philly especially because a lot of these studios were in brooklyn and then another studio was outside in the suburbs of philly so there's some kind of traveling around and some moving of files so it made things it made things a little more jagged i think it was kind of cool it wasn't like just going down the street to jeff's place in northern liberties or, or center city wherever he was at the time and saying, okay, well, we're just going to be here for eight hours and lay down the stuff, and then we're going to go back to our apartment. I felt like I could get a yeah. lot more done on my own as well. You know, once the drummer was done, and once the bass player was done, and the guitar player was done, it was mostly just me and the engineer. Whereas before, with the last record, it was kind of the four of us with Jeff in a room mixing. It's kind of too many ideas, too many things. It would get that way sometimes, but I, I'm still super proud of that record, you know, Almost Paradise. Yeah. I think it sounds really cool. I think Jeff is probably one of, if not the most talented engineer in Philadelphia. Um, I still talk to him all the time. Um, he's working on really cool stuff. He's got a new space and um, I'm really excited for him too. Yeah, that's cool. So for this record, it really sounds like putting it together is more of an adventure and piecing together a lot of different parts to it. It, it sounds fun, definitely fun recording this record yeah it was a really different approach like honestly when we first started we wanted uh <laughs> we wanted to do the opposite of what we did which was we were like let's go and let's just rent a studio for like two weeks and knock it out which is if you're in a band and you do in and you've ever done anything like that yeah, you can get a good amount of done, but like you really need some time to sit with it, with your ears, at least for me. Yeah. 
Right. And, you know, you hear these stories of people being like, oh, we just holed up in a fucking cabin for two weeks with an engineer. And it's like <laughs> that. <laughs> you know, it's like that's cool and all. But like, man, I my ears would just like my ears would disintegrate. Right. You know? Yeah, man. So a few years ago, I was in a band and the songwriter pitched a saxophone solo for one of the songs. And <laughs> at first I was like, why the hell would you want to do that? And it, it, it turned out it turned out sounding really good. And I was glad we did Roxy it. Roxy music, man. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So so what what kind of made you think of adding that solo to Indigo Gids? And how did it go over when you proposed it to the band? Assuming you thought yeah, of that it. sax solo is yeah, it, awesome. It rules. I gotta say, it is very M83 Roxy music sounding. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, that was actually something that I had envisioned um, since since writing that song. Kind of, uh, I think I took it to the band and I said, "Yeah, the song kind of, you know, because Indigo Kids is it's it's my it's personally my favorite song on the record." Um, Great when I wrote, song, totally. Thank you. When I wrote that song, I lost, um, I lost the entire file to it. I remember I was in my apartment and I was working on it, and I got halfway through and it was just gone. And so I had to restart Oof. from the start, and I stayed up all night and I redid the, you know, re- relearned the parts of whatever I had laid down, relayed it down, redid all the sense patches, all that shit. And uh, so it was, ever since then, I've kind of had this like real tight knit bond with that song and it's it's not really like on paper like a banger because it kind of it moves it grooves it ja- you know it drags a little bit but to me it's like if you just spark up a joint or whatever and put that song on you can really get lost in it and that was like my goal that's how i wanted the end of it to be too and everybody was like yeah saxophone solo um and we had a friend that we we um we did some when we did some shows in the UK with nothing. We had this some friends in this band called Lilo, a great band. Used to check out L Y L O, and they have an amazing saxophone player. So we actually asked him to do it, but then he just kind of like bailed, which I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> but we had another friend in Philly who is super trained. I mean, like insane saxophone player. His name's Max Swan. I met him through some friends of friends years ago. But anyways, the the first solo he laid down, it's it's really it's really funny. I'll, maybe I'll have to email it to you guys. I've never shared it to anybody, but <laughs> it's um it's very Saturday Night Live, like because <laughs> he's classically trained. I mean, he's like right, like that's how somebody who went to school to play saxophone would play a solo. Like if you tell them solo, that's how they would solo. So I actually. A little too smooth. Yeah, very like, and tonight, welcome to blah, 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 you know, uh, and that's in the background. So I had to write out and simplify it. I actually wrote it on a piano. So can you try this? Something super chill, laid back, Roxy music. I wrote it out and sent it to him. And I think he was surprised at how kind of like simple it was, but he nailed it. And it sounds great. Yeah, thank you. He's I, I can't recommend he's got his own music project as well um, highly recommend it uh, I've seen him live it's insane he like plays saxophone and then also sings uh, and he's got this backing band it's 
it's pretty cool. That's awesome. And staying on the topic of Indigo Kids, because it is also one of my favorite songs on the record, the song is inspired by the story of Boris Kiprianovich, yeah. who was like this kid genius who eventually started telling people that he was from Mars and came to Earth to warn humanity about nuclear war or something like that. And it's cool because it fits into the record so well, that story. The title, How to Be Human, the UFO on the cover. And I'm curious, did you discover that story first and that kind of maybe set the tone a little bit for the record or was it like vice versa and you kind of realized this story is something that could fit in well with the record type of thing yeah i th- i think if i remember right uh, it was i kind of wrote that song with with that story in mind first and then the 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 name of the album came a little bit later and the whole kind of mood of it as well yeah um because i wrote that song after reading that story because I I was just kind of like blown away at how how baffling it was and just kind of like <laughs> yeah yeah you know I'm certainly not one to you know I'm not like a conspiracy weirdo uh you know I maybe do have Mufon as a bookmark you know <laughs> uh, on my chrome but that's about as far as I go you know <laughs> I spent some time as a kid living in Oklahoma. So I would always, as a young kid, so I would always look up at the skies and, you know, see if I could see anything weird moving around. And so I think ever since then, I've always been like, you know, just baffled by that stuff. So reading that story, I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like, but it could be true. You know, so so, uh, the lyrics of that song are abstractly about him, you know, oh, I'm trying to make it home. You know, going back, you know, the colors and shapes, they all look the same. You know, this is what it looks like. For some reason, I see these colors and shapes and I want to go back home. And um, so it was fun to write that song lyrically as well. Um, so I, I think it all the, the, the mood of the record kind of came a little after that. But that song is totally about him and all that stuff. Yeah, cool. It's an awesome song. And the record, the title, How to Be Human, the the UFO on the cover, and a lot of the songs speak to these experiences that we as humans and people have, you know, toxic relationships, substance abuse. And I like how Main Street kind of sort of talks about and describes the, you know, the typical town in the United States, the kind of generic Main Street thing. Were you trying to kind of paint this portrait of the human experience so that an outsider who's looking and listening to these songs would better understand the human experience? Yeah, totally. Um, A lot, you know, some of it is a little bit... um, towards my own life and some of it also is is uh super third person you know um what that person is seeing at that given moment or what i think and um you know main street especially is kind of more self-centered towards 
what I love, um, what I love to do. You know, whenever we go to a town on tour or whatever, yeah, you know, whatever. It's like I'm gonna go and take a walk, and I just take a walk and I try to blend in as much as I can wherever I am. Sometimes that's really easy. Sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes you find something cool, and sometimes you find some stuff you don't really want to find out about or get involved in. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, I. I I do hope that some people get it. You know, some people get the 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 the, the lyrics and what it's tying to. And and um, for the most part, I've heard that you know some of them do like strike home for a lot of people, um, especially a song like "Dirt" that deals with like you know getting away from just people that treat you like shit in your life, yeah. and also kind of not like indulging or confiding in the fact that maybe you once were not important to them and you let them step all over you and now you don't. So that song is kind of like a haha got you like I'm I'm cool with being who I am and I'm okay if you don't accept that. And that's also kind of where I was in my life when I wrote How to Be Human. Another big part of that becoming the album title was, you know, I knew that this record was going to come out in like a, an election year too. And it's like, yeah. you know, at a, when I was writing that stuff, you know, it's crazy to even think of how even more insane it has gotten, like, you know, with the virus and just, you know, everything, you know, I was writing those songs, it's like, it feels like everybody in this country has forgotten how to be human. And- Yeah, man, yeah. It, it feels especially timely because our existences have all been like so circumscribed in the last six months that it's nice to have a little bit of a reminder of what being human is when you've been like kind of stuck by yourself in your studio apartment for months on end and not having any of the real external life that you had before all this started. So yeah, I know all the songs were written a while ago, but it feels like a record kind of of the time anyway yeah well thank you i that's that was definitely a goal you know of it and like i wanted to speak lyrically to all of that as well as being able to kind of speak you know on my you know as a songwriter you also want to express yourself through your songs and not you know mm -hmm. at least for me i like to express what's going on in my life but also at the same time you know it's you got to talk about what's going on in the world too you know yeah, man, for sure. Um, so one thing I noticed about the record, and like you said earlier, it, it's pretty synth heavy. And I, I looked at your your audio tree recording from a few years ago, and I noticed you have one dude doing double duty on lead guitar and synth. So uh, were you thinking about like maybe bringing on somebody to be synth full time or doing more triggers? Like, how, how are you going to handle all this extra sound on tour? I mean, when that happens? Yeah, um, I haven't really, you know, we started rehearsing those songs live back in March. And, you know, as much as I would love to add a synth player, it's also like we're a four piece and then that's like another person and just becomes right really tough. So we found a way to kind of be able to uh, add a lot of the cool sounds on the album, just like in, you know, a track and behind us or, or find a way to find that tone through a guitar or that melody through a guitar. Um, there are a couple songs that it gets a little tricky with, like one being Dirt, you know, because Dirt is got these a lot of really swirling and moving parts. So 
that's actually something that before the virus hit and on that last tour that we we're you know we we're going to do the south by tour we we're going to go that was the whole point of that that tour which is crazy to think about was to go and test out the new songs live in front of a crowd mm-hmm. it's like okay well, let's go out you know we've got it set up that we've found a way to achieve all of these cool sounds which is for people let's go see how it hits live you know if we do need to maybe readjust and we never really got a chance to do that because all those shows got canceled right. so it'll be fun um we have we have plans to do this like live stream situation at the end of september and it'll it's going to be in a recording studio uh right outside of philly um and we're going to be able to like decorate it make it cool add some lights and some fog and really kind of make it like a live show nice yeah uh think of like a la audio tree kind of as well as kind of what we're going nice. for like in studio but like spruced up a little bit so that'd be cool i'm excited to try that and we'll see how they how they come out cool that's very that's good. exciting that sounds great. Yeah. yeah totally yeah so we'll i'm psyched about it yeah and a lot of the songs on the record they they do tell stories and you remarked that you haven't really written songs before this record that have told stories what inspired you to shift your lyrical focus to these kind of stories for each song was it as you were saying personal events in your life and a combination of more global collective events what what uh, inspired the shift yeah i think it it had a lot to do with um i mean a lot of the songs on almost paradise are like super breakup songs you know um and i just kind of moved on from that and i i i definitely don't want to say that i've I've found happiness, but I've certainly am not as doom and gloom about my personal life as I used to be. And I really fell in love with, um, you know, storytelling and songwriting and artists that did that. Um, a lot of 80s pop artists too. I really fell in love with this band called the Blue Nile, the Scottish band from the 80s. They're awesome, yeah. Um, and a lot of those songs in Paul Buchanan songwriting, you can see the story and you can you can kind of see it from start to finish. And I really fell in love with that kind of style of, of songwriting. And also, yeah, to to say that, you know, I do you think it's important to, to tell, you, you know, to have the current events in your lens of songwriting of like a global spectrum? Like, of course, you know, you could say that about any great album, you know, you, you give a year like, well, this record was made this year and think about everything that was going on in that country during that year. and. You know, it's crazy to think about. At least I think that way when I think back, because I listen to a lot of old music, you know, I listen to a lot of music from the 80s. And so I I think it's going to be really important for artists moving forward, for sure, to like, with everything that's going on, I mean, you got to, you got to tell some sort of your story through the lens of what you're living through, you know? Yeah, for sure. I got to say, your, your outlook is very positive, though, given all the things you've been through as a musician the last few years. So really kudos to you that you continue to power forward i mean it's i think coronavirus in and of itself stopping your tour and delaying your release date it probably got you down at first but you're continuing to to power forward and then on top of that all the other stuff that you were dealing with as well yeah with the fire and things like that well thank you so what what keeps you motivated to to continue i (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it's funny as I was, I was on an, another podcast too, and they kind of like asked me the same question. And I just kind of was like, oh man, I really don't know. Um, I mean, I do know, I, I do know that it's my bandmates and my partner and like, you know, the people that tell me like, hey, your record really helped me out during this time or like, hey, thank you for playing that show that I was at. You know, I had the time of my life that night. Um, whatever, you know, that stuff keeps me keeps me going. You know, what makes me shift from not wanting to do this anymore, become jaded or, you know, angry at the world or whatever. I don't know because honestly, I know a lot of other people in my life that have probably would have just been like, man, fuck that bullshit, you know? Um, but I, lo I genuinely love doing it also, which is like a big part of it. Like I, I genuinely love gaining in a van and like just driving across the country. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, you know, I genuinely love it and I love writing music and I love getting on stage. So I guess at a certain point, like whatever I got to do to make sure I can still do that, I, I just kind of morph it into what I do every day. It is really hard to keep like a positive attitude towards everything. And at least, at least with the coronavirus thing, like I can, there's like other people going there. Every other artist is going through it. Right. So like yeah. when my house got on fire and like it delayed my record and all that, like I couldn't be like, well, every other artist is going through that right now. Or like right. when my drummer almost died in an at car accident, I couldn't say, well, everybody else is going through that right now. You know, with the coronavirus thing, I can at least say, hey, at least every other artist is going through it. And also everybody in my life that I know isn't sick and they're either healthy and I'm healthy. And like, you kind of just got to look at everything you have on your table right now and be thankful. So I guess that's kind of kept me going through the coronavirus for sure. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. And the new album is awesome. I am excited to play some songs from it. How to Be Human, it's out now on Egg Hunt Records. There's a limited edition green pressing that you can get from independent record stores. And you can also get standard black vinyl via egghuntrecords.bandcamp.com. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to play some songs from How to Be Human. We're going to hear Indigo Kids, a song we talked about at length. Main Street, Dirt, and Once You Go, and then we'll be back.
right, we're back. We just heard four songs from Suburban Living's awesome new record. It's called How to Be Human. It's out now on Egg Hunt Records. You can get it on limited edition black vinyl via egghuntrecords.bandcamp.com or you could head to your local independent record store where there's a limited edition green pressing circulating in the wild. And the songs we heard were Indigo Kids, Main Street Dirt, and Once You Go. Four awesome songs from this great new record from Suburban Living. Now, Wesley picked some records from my record collection, and we're going to play them. Wesley, did you pick some records? I did. Wait, um, I have a playlist out of your out of your collection, right? Who's is this? Yes, Tom, is yes. this your collection, or is this a collaborative yes. collection? This, this is time. Yeah. Damn, you got a uh, really good record collection. I'm sure you've been told. Thanks, dude. Many a time. Thanks. Dude. Gotta look at him. <laughs> gotta look at him. And we're gonna play what you selected, and we're gonna talk about it too. Yeah. So, what did you pick first? Um, let's see. I'm p- opening up my playlist here. Uh, of course, uh, the the first song on the playlist is, of course, my comrades. My my goofy friends, the Swirlies. Yeah. Yeah. Love them. Got to drop the the, the the from the from the name. It's just Swirlies, but you know my my bad, Damon. If you're listening, you're probably not. It's just <laughs> Swirlies. A song called Wrong Tube because you have the seven inch. Yes, I do. Funny enough, I got that in San Diego from the Tang Records store. And the guy, I can't remember his name, but he owns that label, too. And I guess their home-based store is in San Diego. And he was telling me all about, oh, this is great. I'm like, I know the Swirlies are great. I've never heard this 7-inch before. So then I got it right there on the spot based on his recommendation. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. I don't think that office is around anymore. Or no, it is. They've been there. I think Swirlies have been there a couple times. Yeah. It yeah. was it was a cool record store, too, and the guy was really nice. He's a good guy. I know the Swirlies are from Boston, right, originally? Originally, yeah. They or, all started yeah. um, in, in, like, Cambridge area. Yeah. Um, they've all since, like, disbanded to different parts i mean they're from all over now it's crazy there's also been like a bajillion different members which is funny yeah um yeah but it's always uh at its core been damon uh andy the bass player who i subbed in for on the last tour uh and adam who plays drums and also plays in a band called field mice so field mice are amazing mm-hmm. yeah that's that's very cool so How'd that come about that you were asked to play bass on that tour for Swirlies? Um, so my best friend, uh, his name's Elliot. We grew up together in Virginia Beach, Virginia. That's where I'm originally from. Yeah. And Elliot's the one who showed me Swirlies. And he, him and I would play music together all the time in our garage and work on guitars in high school and into our early college years or whatever. And uh, one day he came up to me and he was like, Hey, I'm I'm gonna pack up um, some some demo tapes I've been working on because Elliot only worked on like shitty Tascam 
you know, recordings. He never worked in Logic yeah. or Pro Tools. Just doing this kind of shoegazy dinosaur junior meets my bloody valentine is always kind of what i put it uh, really good his project called your jovian and he put these tapes in uh in a manila folder and mailed it to andy burnick who is and still is the bass player for swirly so this was like 2009 or something like that 2010 um didn't hear from him for years, and then like a couple years after he's mailed those tapes in, he got a phone call from Andy Burnick, and it was no shit. Yeah, and he said, um, "Hey, it's Andy from the Swirlies. I got your tapes a while back. I never got a chance to like really write you back, but they're really good. Um, the Swirlies are getting back together for a tour, opening up for Kurt Vile. Um, do you, do you want to uh, do you want to learn my bass parts, and I'll teach them to you? Wow! And you can fill in for for me. And so Elliot did it, and that was 2014, 2015. I don't know if you look up like Kurt Vile Swirly's tour it was yeah. whatever that was. I think Kurt was touring off of uh, Pretty Days, Waking on a Pretty Days. Yeah, yeah. That record mm-hmm, it just came mm-hmm. out. So whenever that record came out. And uh, Elliot had a gig ever since. Um, and there was some more personnel kind of floated in and out. Uh, the dude Rob, who played guitar, also played in The Violators. So as Kurt Vile got more busy, Rob wasn't able to do swirlies. So then Elliot moved to guitar off of bass originally. Uh, and that opened up a slot for a new bass player because Andy, the original bass player, um, you know, he, he's not a, in a point in his life with his job and everything that he can really tour. Um, Got it. So that's that's the wild st- story of the Swirlies. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, it really was. So we're going to play the Swirlies. And then after the Swirlies, what what'd you pick next? I picked Everybody's Happy Nowadays by the Buzzcocks. Great song. Another seven inch of mine. Yes. Sorry, I'm only picking your seven inches. Dude, that's totally fine. I'm into it. It's it's fun. And that's a really fucking fun song, even though I feel like it's about being depressed a little bit. So uh, to speak about why I chose this song, too, is... Um, our touring bass player, his name's Kyle uh, Kyle Garvey. His father is the original bass player of the Buzzcock, Steve Garvey. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Steve Garvey is a really nice guy. Uh, Kyle's dad is uh, super funny, really cool. Um, and British, I'm guessing. Very British. The first time I met <laughs> <laughs> the the first time I met him was in this uh, little dive bar right out uh, in New Hope, Pennsylvania, and um, we were there watching a show or something. Or Kyle I was hanging out with Kyle, and I was in line for the bathroom, and it's like one of those shitty dive bars that only has like one single stall. And I'm waiting there, and he goes, "Are you waiting for the toilet?" <laughs> <laughs> and I, was like, I looked up and I was like, "Are you Kyle's dad?" And he goes, "Yeah, you know." We started talking and um, <laughs> super cool. You have to mind my terrible British accent, but um, another, you know, another reason why I find uh, you know a really big connection to the Buzzcocks is not only their amazing music and just you know having you know t- sitting down and talking to Steve every now and again. 
uh, about music. It's really cool. He's a fan of suburban living and yeah. really cool dude and, and an inspiration. And when we were on tour uh, with nothing in England, we were in, we were playing Manchester the night Steve, or not Steve Garvey, but um, the night that uh, the lead singer of the Buzzcocks died. And it was just yeah, like, Pete Shelley. Pete yeah. Shelley. And I was like, yeah. dude, this is absolutely insane. Um, and Kyle's yeah. grandma still lives there. So Steve Garvey's mom still lives in Manchester and we had dropped, we, Kyle was staying there at his grandma's house. And so the next morning after Pete Shelley died, we went to go pick up Kyle from his grandma's house and his grandma is there. And like, that's where the Buzzcocks would practice. Wow. Oh, wow. So, yeah. you know, as soon as we show up, it's kind of like this somber I mean, it's like a family. I mean, like it's like a family member died. You know. I mean, it, yeah. you know, here's the original bass player's mom there saying, you know, telling me these stories. Like, yeah, this is like terrible. You know, like it's really sad. And you know, there used to be, you know, when they would come and practice here, I would have to lock the doors, put all the shades down because there would just be a gaggle of women out front just screaming, oh, wow. <laughs> wanting them to come outside and like hang out and party. And, you know, she pulled out a lot of like old original pressing records of like Buzzcocks and, and a lot of like Steve's side projects that he did back in the seventies and, and these really rare records that I was, you know, and this was like while I'm on tour and I'm like, man, I don't want to leave and go to the next show, but like I have to, and, <laughs> you know, I want to stay here and talk about Buzzcocks with you. Like this is so cool. Right, right. <laughs> Damn, Wesley, so many good stories so far. You're nailing this part of the podcast. You're nailing the whole podcast. This is fucking awesome. Thank you, friend. Buzzcock stories, swirly stories. Damn. <laughs> and what, yeah, what's up stuff. next? Yeah, what's up? Okay, so another song. Oh, this is perfect. I chose a song by No Joy called Slug Night. Uh, and they have a new record out that everybody record coming out. Yeah, yeah. Everybody should go listen to. Um, I've been a huge fan of No Joy for uh, a really long time, ever since basically I started Suburban Living. Um, so I recommend their new record. I haven't listened to it straight to you know front to back yet. I've had a busy weekend, but it is on my to do, and I highly recommend it. Yeah, they're putting it out on a great Toronto label called Hand Drawn Dracula, which I really like a lot of the stuff they've put out over the years. A band called The Seams, uh, Tallies, Tallies, a great yeah. band. They've put out stuff on that record in Canada, and al along with K9 Records here, who's based in New York. And this other band, Valens, also really good. So, No Joy's awesome. The label that they're putting the record out is awesome, too. So everyone, yes, yeah. go listen to it. There is an old song by them on my playlist called Slug Night, but uh, I would recommend listening to any of their new tracks. It's very 90s trip-hop inspired. It's really cool. And uh, George Elbrecht produced it, who is somebody that I really admire. Um, he worked on uh, Frankie Rose's uh, last record, who we toured with. Um, so, way to go, George. Sounds great. She's great, Frankie Rose. That must have been a lot of fun to tour with her. I'm a huge fan of all of her work. And she's just a very dynamic songwriter. 
Me too. Yeah. Uh, similar to No Joy, I've been listening to Frankie's music since I started this project. I mean, like, yeah. you know, when I started this, like, that's like, that's like what was on the front page of Pitchfork at the time was like, yeah. you know, No Joy and Frankie Rose and um, another band that is on here called La Sera, who I'm uh, very psyched that you have their record. I love La Sera. Kickball Katie's solo project from she's in vivian girls well vivian girls reformed i was gonna say she was in vivian girls but vivian girls thankfully reformed last year because i'm a huge fan of that band as well yes um really big fan of that band actually elliot my best friend who also played in swirlies glacera was another band that he showed me so props to elliot thank you for the gig in swirlies and thank you for showing me who Lacera is and for refinishing my guitars and fixing them, you the man. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Elliot. Yeah. Elliot's the man. Damn, Elliot, all-star. Check out his band, You're Jovian. I played in that band for a little while, too. So um, one, one would say when I would make an appearance, it was exceptionally good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And uh, what'd you pick next? All right, let's throw it back a little further, but let's not go all the way to the 80s because I feel like that's a little too, <laughs> uh, you know, we could talk about that. You know, let's talk about Holes, Live Through This. You have that on ra- wax. Yes. Yes. I love that record. Such an underrated record, dude. Credit in the straight world. I will world. sing this record's praises for as long as I live, man. Totally. I remember, um, you know, of course, uh, like many uh, little teenage musician boys coming out of my, in, my, uh, my uh, being shown Nirvana and, and learning about grunge and all of that. And then, you know, I feel like there's this misconception that people always, if you love Kurt, you hate Courtney. And if you love Courtney, you hate Kurt, whatever. I see through it. I just listen to the music, man. And I tell you, Live Through This is an incredibly well-written record, start to finish, credit in the straight world, all about getting drugs on the street, amazing song, cool guitar tone. Um, you know, it was all like Mustangs and Jaguars. Yeah, I don't li- I don't uh, I don't believe the whole Kurt Cobain was there writing the songs, taboo bullshit. I really do think that Courtney Love, for a, maybe a small period of her career, um, amazing songwriter. Yeah, there's so many great songs on this record. Just really sharp, great songwriting on this album that really can't be beat. Yeah, Jennifer's Body, another great kind of... Yeah. Um, not sleeper track of the record because i don't think there's any real like sleeper tracks on this record but you know of course like the hits doll parts um miss world like those are of course are like the radio bangers but uh i think credit in the straight world is a really good um like a track seven on a record you know which there's not a lot of records that have a great track seven (laughs) you know totally yeah yeah, respect for, for owning that on, on vinyl, Tom. Hell yeah. All right, so now we're going to play these records. We're going to hear Wrong 2 by Swirlies, Everybody's Happy Nowadays by The Buzzcocks, Slug Night by No Joy, Break My Heart by La Sarah, and Credit in the Straight World by Hole. And then we'll be back 
to wrap things up.
All right, we're back. We heard Swirlies, Wrong Tube, Buzzcocks, Everybody's Happy Nowadays, No Joy, Slug Night, La Sarah, Break My Heart, Hole, Credit in the Straight World, Great Record Picks. So we're coming to the end of the show. Wesley. Tom. Thank you so much for being here. Zach, thank you so much for co-hosting. We yeah, had thanks for having me a on. shitload of fun. I had a blast. You guys are really cool. Anytime you want to hang out on Zoom, you just give me a call. Totally. <laughs> Sounds and, good, dude. And when we hang out in, you know, when real life hanging out is allowed again, we'll all hang out in person. Let's, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys play the next time you're up here. Let's send everyone off with one more song from the new record. We're going to hear No Roses. Everyone, this record is awesome. It's called How to Be Human. It's out now on Egg Hunt Records. You can get it at your local record store on limited edition green vinyl, or you can order it via egghuntrecords.bandcamp.com. Of course, all these songs are also available on your streaming platform of choice. But get the record. Hold it in your hands. Put it on your turntable. Drop the needle. Thank you so much for having me. Tom and Zach, you have guest lists for life. Any New York shows? Hell yeah. Can't wait to, yeah. can't Thanks, wait to hang out soon. And without further ado, this is No Roses from Suburban Living's brand new album, How to Be Human. <laughs> 